Welcome back in, everybody, to the Shuffle Up Podcast, a podcast for TCG players. I am your host, Cap, and today we are going to run the gambit and talk about a whole range of card games. We're going to talk about Lorcana, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic the Gathering, and, of course, my game of choice, Dragon Ball Super. So let's start off with Disney Lorcana. So it has been a couple weeks since we had episode one, and... Before then, the lottery for Gen Con was about to take place, and that was a gigantic shit show. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is on Gen Con. I don't know if it is on Robinsberger. I don't know if it's a if they're both need to be held accountable. Um, I'll, I'll start with Robinsberger first. So, yes, having how to play events and started the star deck challenge leading up into that special tournament that is on Sunday of uh, Gen Con. Fantastic idea. This is where my problem uh, comes and it's the amount of people in each tournament. Their math made no sense. It made sense from them from a standpoint of it's three easy rounds and you go undefeated, you're automatically in and then you're going to have to go, um, X1, so 2-1, and then based off tiebreakers, which is a whole mathematical situation in and of itself. Um, if you're very familiar with TCGs, you know how the finest of margin and tiebreakers can make or break your tournament. Um, so obviously, these events all sold out. And I, w- I was in line right when they went on sale. And I was, I knew the second that my number came up, I was like 3000 something in line. And so I knew immediately, yeah, I'm not getting in. And I was going to Gen Con for Dragon Ball Super for the regional that is taking place that Saturday. And also primarily for Lorcana to get coverage for the channel, to meet Ryan and Steve, play some games, get product firsthand, all that fun stuff, right? And because of what happened and due to not being able to get any tickets whatsoever, I am now not going. And that was very infuriating because I I talked about it in episode one. I love going to Gen Con. I've gone to Gen Con for like 15 years. I love going to Gen Con. It's a lot of fun. And I think the problem is that I don't, this is where like, and a lot of you disagree with me about my prior comments, but I fucking stand by it. Robinsberger has no clue what the fuck they're doing. Um, it's, it's very infuriating. And if you don't like cussing the show, my shows are not for you. Um, it's, it's a very frustrating situation and it's, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just reliving it and it's making me upset. Um, the reason why I say that they don't know what they're doing is because they don't seem to understand or they don't seem to be able to handle the hype for this game. And this is clearly like a rookie fumbling the ball, like at the one yard line to win the Super Bowl. This is exactly what this feels like. Like they have a hit on their hands and the fact that they are fumbling this so hard it it's mind blowing um to put it nicely you had to have known 
Now, if if they were naive to the hype of this game heading into Gamma and like the um, the French Expo and all that kind of stuff, then I I might could give them a pass on that. But when you had that reaction at Gamma, especially when you said the first six sets, which given that lawsuit, we'll see what happens with that. We may not even get to six sets now. Um, we're going to talk about the lawsuit and, in a separate video on the channel. Um, but anyways, to keep this train on the tracks. So post Gamma, when you saw the reception to your game, I don't see how, so post Gamma, I don't see how you couldn't have seen the reception to your game and then been like, oh, we might need to up either the number of events at Gen Con or the number of participants allowed. Because quite honestly, yes, it would take a much bigger staff. I understand that. Maybe they couldn't afford to pay people. I don't know. There's plenty of us in the community, like myself included, who have been testing this game for quite a while. We know the rules of the game. Like we could have easily like helped, you know, with these events. And it's just, it, it's a very frustrating situation where the number of people allowed should have been easily like 128, like a higher, a higher number to where more people had an opportunity. Now, because it is a lottery system, this is where the Gen Con side of it really pisses me off. And yes, I understand if you're traveling with a large group, you're all going to try to get in and get multiple tickets for everybody in your group. And then you guys work out the payment on that later. So I understand that, you know, the more people you have in your group, you're all on at the same time and you're all trying to get tickets. Well, then by extension, that means that you have a higher percentage of getting set tickets. So by that logic, that aspect is fair. However, it also kind of creates an imbalance where, and I don't, and honestly, like I, I've been trying to think of like a proposed system to try to fix this, but honestly, I don't think there is one. I think this is the state of what Gen Con is now. Um, I said in the last episode, that Gen Con, for as fun as it is, it gets bigger and bigger every year. And I think it's just the, you know, nature of the beast, for lack of a better term. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of frustrating. And then the fact that some of you have the fucking gall to then try to resell your tickets. On a community standpoint, this is where, like, I have a problem with a lot of you. Um why are you taking tickets away from people like myself who legitimately like want to play like in this tournament and didn't get to because of you like you're that's that's not a good look like you're you're taking opportunity away from other people just to get your money back like you wasted people's time and in my case you made me cancel my trip so that's a giant f you like I don't under, and then again, you guys don't read clearly your card game players. You need to read the fine print. Those tickets are, aren't transferable. And now you're all trying to, I mean, I know I've, I've seen all your posts. Like I, I could, if I really wanted to be vindictive, I could go at all of you who are doing this and 
let Junkai know you're doing it, but I'm not going to because I'm not a snitch like that. But now you're all trying to go back behind the scenes and add people to your friends list so that you can transfer them tickets when you guys definitely were not on each other's friends list beforehand. First off, don't publicly post that because you got people out there who will report you. I'm not going to report you, but if it happens again, I will. Um, And that's simply because, like I said, you're taking opportunities away from people who really want to play. So why did you take tickets away from people if you weren't going to play in the fucking tournament to begin with? Maybe think about that. So also on Robinsberger's side, again, you've had content creators trying to help you promote this game. Like, I don't understand you're, you're not promoting and to go off on this tangent again, you haven't revealed anything. You're not revealing anything. You think you don't need to reveal anything. That is a completely stupid idea. You need to be revealing this game. Those of you that say that they're doing fine. You either A, have never played a TCG, or B, you simply just don't know what you're talking about. They need to be doing more. They need to be revealing. They need to do everything that they can to get exposure to this game. Because right now, they are losing people left and right. Like I'm finding it hard sometimes to even make content for this game. Because if they don't care enough to tell us more about their game... Why am I going to spend my, my time making content for their game? Like, I think I think they have a hit on their hands. I have, So if you don't know who I am, to recap, I was probably formerly on a team called the Lorconicast. We have been covering the game since August of last year. I came on in September because I was out of town in London and Paris when episode one dropped. And they removed me from the team for reasons that I will not get into right now. Um, Maybe in the future, I will talk about what happened. But I know other parties involved will lie about what happened. But anyways, um, so again, we cover the game since September. And it is June of the year of release. So the game releases in like two months. And we still don't know half of the set. We're not even at the halfway point of the set being revealed. Let me rephrase my statement. To go off on this tangent again, it is very annoying. Again, I like I said, I come from Dragon Ball Super. Our sets are extremely large. There are over 250 cards. We're done revealing every card in the set. And I'm testing, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute for a regional in Tennessee that comes up in two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks from now, how can a game and yes, Dragon Ball has been around for we're on year six now. So Dragon Ball has been around for a while, but Bandai clearly knows in this regard, what they're doing. Bandai has a lot of problems and I will talk about that in the future. But again, to wrap up this, this little tirade Bandai, uh, excuse me, Robinsberger, you guys are fumbling the ball. Like if you can't say you're overwhelmed getting ready for the release, like you either don't have enough people on staff or the people you do have on staff are incompetent and don't know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, anyways, so final thoughts, like 
clearly I think Robinsberger is losing a lot of people. Uh, depending on what happens with this lawsuit, they could be in a lot of trouble. And um, yeah, I, if you guys have any ideas for how to fix the lottery system for uh, Gen Con, let me know. So we're going to move into a Yu-Gi-Oh! So um, Yu-Gi-Oh! recently had a ban list come out and I'm not going to go in depth on the ban list. And the reason for that is I am just now getting back into the competitive scene on Yu-Gi-Oh! If you are a Yu-Gi-Oh! player that plays on a competitive level, let me know what you thought of the ban list. Um, I do watch a lot of the premier Yu-Gi-Oh! content creators, um, such as like Simo and MBT and Tombox and um, Cali Effect and, you know, Farfa, people like that. Um, so I've heard their thoughts and um, I got an, an idea. So in terms of like my Yu-Gi-Oh! history, um, I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! in... Um, O2 when it first came out. And then I played up until about 2010. So, you know, I played it competitively for eight years. Then I stopped playing because I was focused on the Naruto CCG. Um, had a ton of fun with that game. And then I came back to Yu-Gi-Oh! a couple years later while the Dragon Ruler and uh, Spellbook format was going on saw how much the game power crapped and played for a little bit. And then the dragon rulers kind of turned me off a little bit from the game. And then of course, you know, we had pendulums happen and then links came out and I came back when links came out, but then, you know, eventually you had the, you know, um, whole deal with electromite going on. So that kind of was, again, like another nail in the coffin for me. And then I've casually just kind of kept up with the game through uh, things like Duel Links. Uh, Master Duel is fantastic. I really enjoy playing Master Duel. Master Duel is a way for me, kind of as a returning casual who wants to get competitive, to be able to kind of just put my feet in the water before completely diving in because I do play Dragon Ball on a competitive level. And I was hoping to do the same with Lorcana, but with their announcement about no OP events, um, which I'm very upset about as a competitive player. And I'm going to make a separate video on that for on the channel as well. But anyways, um, I think something like master duel is a very good way to get returning players and newer players into the game who don't want to drop, you know, a fortune to be able to play the game. And so, you know, I think that, what I will say about Yu-Gi-Oh's ban list, and I do agree with a lot of the skepticism and a lot of the frustration around this is, so, you know, you'll hear, you know, like Paul from uh, Team APS says, you'll hear the term like Yu-Gi Boomer and all that stuff. And I guess I definitely technically fit in that category, but, you know, we always used to know when the ban list was coming out or at least around the time when the ban list was going to come out and the fact that they don't tell you guys that now is I understand the frustration um, because I would hate to buy a deck or maybe get certain pieces you were waiting on and then 
the next day, oh, I just spent $200 on a deck and, oh, (laughs) joke's on you, sucker, deck's banned. Or, you know, the cards you just bought got banned. Key elements are banned. And that's my big thing with Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Like, if you guys knew when that was coming, um, I think you guys would spend and invest more, you know, correctly. Um, and you know, I think it, it just comes down to your, your mindset. You know, if you're the high ultra competitive player, you're going to buy the staples, um, when they release and you're going to go compete and get your money out of them. And then when, probably once you've earned your invite or you're, you're done using them, you know, you'll flip them, try to get your money back because you know that if they're, you know, extremely oppressive that they will get banned or they'll get limited to one or something like that. Um, and then of course, you know, if you're more on the budget standpoint, then obviously you're not going to buy those, you know, hundred, two hundred dollars staples out the gate anyways, right? You're going to wait. Um, a lot of players like myself, like I, maybe because I'm slowly like rebuilding a collection and getting back into the game, you know, I'm using something like the mega tens as a way to, get stuff um primarily buying singles not the tens themselves like i bought like one of each of the last three to be able you know to form the um stone tablet just for a collector standpoint but otherwise you know i'll buy singles um and that's a conversation i'm going to make a video on in the future as well is uh, sealed versus singles um obviously if you heard my little um diatribe right there you'll can kind of tell what way i'm leaning by that comment but um yeah i think that i think i do agree with the players that a little bit more of a heads up would be good to know uh for example so with dragon ball super we know every set unless there's an emergency ban and we've only had a few of those but for our ban list we know that every set that gets revealed a couple weeks before the set is revealed we will have a ban list and we just had a ban list. And I'm going to talk about that when we shift um, into our Dragon Ball Super section. But, you know, at least we know, hey, this is what's been going on in our meta. These are the leaders or cards that are most likely to get hit. Maybe it's time to move, move off of them. And, you know, that way we know every basically every three months that there is a ban list coming. So we're able to more fairly judge as to where you guys, you will get it on a random Tuesday or Wednesday at like one in the afternoon, you know, 10 AM, whenever the hell, you know, Konami decides to post it. And I really feel for you guys. And that was something that made me jump off of the, um, the main Yu-Gi-Oh ship. And now I'm just hanging out in a lifeboat just kind of waiting to see what happens. And, you know, with the, so, um, in terms of like what I like to play for Yu-Gi-Oh is I'm a massive Kaiba stand. So I love blue eyes, but I can't afford to play, you know, like secret rare blue eyes. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then I love cyber dragons. Cyber dragons was the last main competitive deck I played. I played them in master duel. Um, I just, I think they're fun. You know, they're, they're fair, but they're fun. They're not like absurdly like broken, you know, like the decks like you have now, like cash and all that stuff. So, 
Um, and then I guess my more recent uh, from the last time I played during like the Electromite Trickstar, you know, format in was it 2017, 2018 is dinos. Um, I love dinosaurs in general. So I'm definitely a dino duelist. And the fact that um, they've gotten reprint in the um, Wild Survivors, I think it's the set called. So I'm actually investing in that set to get dino stuff because there's some dino stuff I don't have. You know, like I play Yu-Gi-Oh! on a more casual level. So I'm not really trying to get like the max out secret rare versions of stuff. And maybe in the future I will. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely feel for you guys. Um, but yeah, if anyone has a wants to share their thoughts on the ban list and how you think it fixes or doesn't fix the current state of the Yu-Gi-Oh! metagame, be sure to let me know. Now we are going to go into a game we haven't talked about yet, and that is Magic the Gathering. And the reason why I want to talk about Magic is uh, clearly, as you guys can tell, I am not a Magic player. Um, I have a bunch of friends that play Magic. Uh, They grew up playing Magic. Magic is their game of choice, Um, whether they play Standard or Commander. um, A lot of them play Commander. And so the reason why I want to talk about Magic today is because of the Lord of the Rings set. Um, so primarily, we're going to talk about the Aragon controversy. So if you're unfamiliar, um, there's a Lord of the Rings like a, like side like tie-in set um, for Magic the Gathering and Magic players. If I describe that incorrectly, let me know. Again, I don't play the game, but this set did catch my interest because of the one ring, which I will talk about. But um, the thing with Aragon is that they made him black. And there's been a lot of controversy about that. My two cents on this real quick is, who cares? Um, you know, it comes down to the same issue as like what Disney's been doing. So like you look at like the Little Mermaid, um, all that backlash. and you know, at the, is it like, I, I, I can see where both sides are coming from. Um, however, like it's a card, it's not really impacting you all that much. I mean, it's really not like that big of a deal at the end of the day. Like it's a piece of cardboard with some ink on it. Like it shouldn't really impact you that much. I mean, now, obviously, if it had, like, a offensive, like, symbol, you know, like a swastika or something like that on it, like, that's a very completely different, like, conversation to what we're talking about here. Um, you know, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, this is just racist being racist. And I understand, like, there are... So, I found an article from thegamer.com. Shout out to them. Um where, you know, so I could get a little bit more context because I'm honestly not that big a fan of the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. I mean, like I, I read the books obviously like in like middle school and in high school. And, um, to date myself here, like the movies came out when I was in high school. And of course I saw them because Peter Jackson is an excellent filmmaker and like they were decent movies, but I haven't seen them since then. I mean, that's just not a franchise that I've like loved. But I know a lot of like people are saying that like, well, Aragon is like, you know, because of his lineage or whatever is like predominantly white and, um, 
always been described as that, like by Tolkien himself and all that other stuff. And at the same time, you know, this where we use the Disney argument. Yeah, like, you know, obviously for the 89 animated film, like Ariel was white, had, you know, red hair, all this other shit. And I mean, if there's, I don't know. I mean, clearly like from the film standpoint, it's doing like, all right. I don't know what its numbers are right now. I don't have it pulled up, but obviously like you can tell like through the impact of what that representation means, um, just from some social posts, like, I don't think like this card, like really should be like that big of a deal because like you're in a natural like society like that you're going to have just like our own you're going to have people of different like races and color so again i'm pretty sure in tolkien's world there's different races so like i I don't know i think it's a nitpicky thing to get hung up on um now i did see a post that someone was offering like a million dollars i think it was um for the person who pulls the one, the one of one of one ring card. And the question has been circulating online is, would you sell it? And the answer is no, because I think you could get a lot more than a million dollars for that card. Um, if you just held on to it, keep it nice, sealed and packed to make sure that nothing happens to it. So there you have it. We've gone over Lorcana. Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering. And now we are going to shift into my game of choice, Dragon Ball Super. All right. So with Dragon Ball Super, so I said that we we recently had a ban list. And this ban list, if you are a DBS player, you are very well aware of it. Um, but for those of you that are not, so uh, what happened on our ban list is we had three leaders that got banned um, for a little bit of context for non-DBS players. Typically, our leaders, which are just the character that you're playing as, they never get, they very rarely get touched. Um, they may get like an errata on them. Bandai loves erratas, by the way. They may get an errata on them, um, but if the leader is severely oppressive, they will just outright ban it. Um, we've had several leaders banned. And so what happened is um, the three leaders that got banned in this latest ban list for us, they have been around since well before our Nats format of last year. I mean, they've they've had their time in the sun for like six to eight months. And it was... Um, actually it's more like eight or nine months. So they've, they've been around for a long time and the format's just gotten really stale. Um, you always knew like these three leaders were going to be around and it just created an environment where, um, our leaders and archetypes that they release in other sets, there's no reason to play those leaders in that color because you have these other leaders floating around, right? So when there's such a disparity in power between um, Sen and Sen Shenron and um, 
the red garlic junior leader, for example, that's coming out in the uh, new set here. Why would you play garlic when red sin is supremely more powerful in the better deck, right? It's just competitive players. You understand that there's just no reason to play it. And so the format got to a point where it had been stale. I kind of stopped playing um, for a little bit, honestly, because of the format. It just, it wasn't fun. And so it's just a situation where I think Bandai realized, hey, like they should have hit it, you know, going into our NAS format, quite honestly. But Bandai finally saw the light. They they um, hit the leaders. And so if you play Dragon Ball Super, you know that they hit Red Sension Run, um, SS4, Goku, and Vegeta in it together, and Gamma 1 and 2. And I'm very happy that they hit these leaders Oh, I'm a Gamma player. Um, I thought Gamma is a very good deck. However, Gamma is very boring as hell to play. Um, and yes, I had a max rarity Gamma deck. And, you know, I'm perfectly fine with the deck getting banned. Um, thank God I didn't buy the 17 promos. But I would have been a little bit more upset if I bought the 17 promos. Um, but, Yeah. Anyways, so we have, you know, these three leaders get banned. And then there's a boss monster for the SS4 deck, um, the A-drop SS4 Gogeta. Um, he got banned. Um, and I don't, while I, I agree with Bandai's reasoning, because there's a red Shenron SCR coming out um, that can do some shenanigans with uh, A-drops. So, you know, he's able to just let him keep attacking, basically. Um, you know, I I don't entirely agree with their reasoning, but, like, that card does create kind of an oppressive uh, state because he's unaffected by things that aren't Gogeta GT. There's very few things in the game that are Gogeta GT, and, you know, when he attacks, your opponent can only use her super combos, so, you know, he can't negate with, uh, floodgates or, or you know extra card engage can't do anything and so i think he him being gone is a good thing uh from there what else happened from there we had the leaders ss4 gogeta got hit and then i mean we had a bunch of erratas um f- for green primarily because of a translation issue all ah, right dirty burst dirty burst that's what i was reading uh dirty burst needed to go um dirty burst is a very powerful card but i think i think it would have been fine staying if there were if every color had a dirty burst like effect um the fact that there's not a lot of cards like it in the game it creates an unfair advantage uh, for blue. And so I'm perfectly fine with Dirty Burst being gone. Um, it makes this upcoming format very interesting, quite honestly. Um, and I'm very excited to see where this format is going to go. Um, especially with BT21 coming out. Uh, Wild Resurgence. Um, the set is interesting. Um, I think now I'm going to do a, a ranking video on the channel. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Kind of going over 
uh, my thoughts on the archetypes and stuff. Um, so naturally the, a little early spoiler, I, uh, the two decks coming out of this set that that's in, in the set proper that I would keep my eye on is the Goku Vegeta flip deck and then Gohan. Um, I am testing Gohan because I am, I'm a green player by nature. I can't explain why. Like I'm more of an aggro to mid-range player, so by that logic, I should be a red player. And I've tried, I've I've played every color or even black. Um, but I don't know. It's just like something about green that just draws me in. I love playing green. I guess I like punishment, and it it is what it is. Um, Gohan is interesting. Gohan has upsides and some downsides um you know if you're going first he's a turn three awakened which can be kind of rough um you know if you're going second you can get him on turn two if you do it right but yeah um a turn three awakened can be very rough um but i'm hopeful with uh sin especially being gone that gohan is able to hold off and survive um but i love the so green doesn't have like a very solid like generic leader and i think that's why so many people myself included are drawn to gohan because gohan is able to be more of that generic thread that green is missing and green has been kind of slowly getting these pieces whether it's like the cooler champ hat promo the kyle king goku um the faded rival combo um sell max just all these like things here and there to where you're kind of bandai is and i'm I'm seeing what bandai is doing because for lack of a better phrase a lot of greens archetypes lately have been gimmicks they're they are gimmicks and they're shit but you know bandai has been slowly giving us oh have this piece here and this piece here and this piece here and it's like these little hidden gems that's buried underneath all this garbage. And then you're slowly just kind of building and building and building. And eventually green will be meta. Um, it sounds hilarious to say, but green is definitely on the rise. Green, green is coming. Um, even the new Raditz promo is very good. Again, another card being a saying that you can play in Gohan. Um, you know, I think that Bandai likes to get a little too thematic with a lot of their archetypes. And I think that's where green has suffered the most is they are just so thematic that you have to play like minimum half your deck to, or even like 30 plus cards to being archetype, you know, base in order for your deck to function which then leaves obviously less room for more generic support. So, you know, in terms of kind of what the state of and the the color, you know, balance now that we have the ban list is, I think that, if I had to think about it, I think that the narrative going around right now is that we're heading into a yellow format. And that's either, you know, it's very Schrodinger's cat. It's either going to be true or it's not going to be true. 
but we don't know until the meta forms. And I don't think Tennessee is where the meta is going to form. I think there's going to be a lot of outliers with Tennessee. Um, with the Goodlettsville Regional being a week after the set release, the set is legal. That's why I'm testing the hell out of Gohan. I think you're going to see a lot of tech. You're going to see a lot of spice. And there's going to be a lot of outliers at Tennessee. I expect to see in top 16, 10 different leaders. And that sounds crazy. And like I just threw out a number. But I legitimately think there's 10 different leaders that are going to come out of um, the, sorry, out of the regional at Tennessee. I blanked for a minute. And that's very exciting. Um, I think after a couple of weeks, the format will slow down. Now, I do think yellow will be the most represented color, followed by black. And the reason for that is yellow is a color that has everything. Um, if I wasn't playing green, I would play yellow. And I have a lot of the yellow stuff, so I could play yellow if I wanted to. Um, yellow is such a responsive color. Yellow is can be very oppressive. And yellow is in a fantastic state to where I'm honestly surprised that Bandai did not hit some of the things in yellow that need to be addressed. However, to the people who have that same mindset, I will say that if there is enough of an uprising in yellow, that Bandai will hit it. Um, it will be an emergency ban list situation again, and they will address it. Um, you guys know we have a history in this game of that happening. So I definitely think that that will happen um, if needed. But in terms of the colors... Um, for sake of argument, we'll say that I think the premier colors is yellow. And then this is where things get interesting because it's either it's either black or blue. And honestly, I think I want to give the nod to black. And the reason for that is because black kind of like green has been slowly getting these pieces. It's slowly been upgrading and updating and it's you know even in this uh set um the crimson trunks got a z leader got some support and then uh, meki kabura got a lot of support even in a scr um the scr is okay but you know you can just play the evil Sane scr in the deck and it's fine but um yeah i think black with cumber and Suprikai of time especially um, just being so aggro and with Sen being shown, you know, the door and then the flood floodgate dot deck dot deck that is gamma is gone. So I think the more aggro based decks like Cumber and Supreme Kai, this is their time to shine. Um, obviously, you're going to have to contend with yellow being able to slow you down a little bit. But if you find the cracks in yellow's armor with those colors, I think you're you're good to go. Um, Trunks is very interesting. I haven't tested his new stuff yet, but maybe this may be the time for you black players to bring out Crimson Trunks. Uh, red, red is interesting. Oh, sorry. Let's 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 go blue because I said blue. Um, blue also has the gambit wide open because outside of twenty one. 
Gamma has been the primary deck in your in your color, right? So you're still gonna have 21, which she's she's okay. Um, and then that leaves the door open. And I think a lot of people are looking at Soul Striker either version. And I know I could definitely see that. Definitely see Soul Striker. And then from there, um, you know, I think we could even see a resurgence of um, SS3 Goku or SS4 Vegeta or your maybe even Beerus, like one of those like ramp decks, like because you know the aggro decks are like at least the red aggro with Sin is and Gogeta is now gone, and then you don't have a very floodgate heavy deck like Gamma. The the opportunity for SS3 and uh, SS4 Vegeta are there. Uh, Soul Striker is always a safe bet, you know, so it's always a safe choice. Um, you may even look at something like the Set 10 Zamasu. Um, I've heard people, I know, um, I think Paladino talked about the reboot um, Goku Black Duck the other day. Maybe might be able to make some noise now. Um, that deck is is interesting. I've obviously, I, I own it. I haven't sat down to make like a real meta version of that deck yet. Um, I actually haven't had a lot of time to test for Tennessee. Um, I started a new job a couple of weeks ago and it keeps me pretty busy. So I'm trying to get uh, get that testing in when I can. But that takes us to red. Um, red is where I think things are interesting. So yes, red, you did lose Sin and you did lose Kojita. However, I think this might be one of two decks in Red's time to shine. And that's Pan, the the reboot Pan leader, which you guys asked for for years, and then they gave it to you and hardly no one played it. Or that's the um, Red Vegito. And that's the deck I think might see more play. I think once the ban list happened, everyone immediately said, oh, pan, pan, pan. But I think um, Vegito, the set two reboot, I think, or not reboot, the Vegito leader, you know, that got the support with the anniversary box. You guys know what I mean. Um, I think that's the red deck to keep an eye out on. I think that that deck can do a lot now that it doesn't have a lot of the things that can shut it down. Um, unless you're going up against some of the more um, stopping cards in, in yellow. And then we have green. And green, like I said, um, green's kind of been in a rough spot for a while. But maybe I'm wrong. This is Greed's time to shine. Um, and if if Gohan's not the one to carry the torch, then you still have the cooler Unison deck. That's still a pretty solid deck. Um, I wouldn't play King Cold. I don't think King Cold. I think King Cold's tier two now. Um, I definitely wouldn't play that. But I do think there is room in this meta for hand destruction. So the reboot cell leader is definitely something to look at. Um, I think no one is expecting hand destruction. 
And I think that may be your best time to strike. All right, so that is going to do it for us today. So, you know, like I said, we covered a wide range of topics here on the channel. And just want to thank everyone for listening. As always, you can find the show on... Um, Sorry, you can find the show on Twitter at Quantum GNC and on Instagram at Quantum Gaming Collectibles. Also, be sure to subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel if you are not on the YouTube channel. And you can find us on YouTube at Quantum Gaming and Collectibles. Again, have videos for all kinds of different games and are going to start getting into doing product openings for um, just Funkos and toys and um, like hot toys and that kind of fun stuff. But like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry, I said watching. I'm used to doing the YouTube thing. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.